I'm Joe Grano. I'm a member here. I'm going to read uh, from Ezra, uh, verse 1, and then verses 6 through 10. After these events, during the reign of King Artaxerxes of Persia, Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. The king had granted him everything he requested because the hand of the Lord his God was on him. Some of the Israelites, priests, Levites, singers, gatekeepers, and temple servants accompanied him to Jerusalem in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes. Ezra came to Jerusalem in the fifth month during the seventh year of the king. He began the journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month and arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month since the gracious hand of his God was on him. Now Ezra had determined in his heart to study the law of the Lord, obey it, and teach its statutes and ordinances in Israel. Let's pray. Father, thank you um, for your word. Thank you for the way that um, it instructs us. Uh, Father, I pray for Daniel as he um, preaches today, as he conveys the message of uh, this passage. I pray that your uh, spirit would speak through him, um, that you would uh, soften our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. Uh, I pray that you would be clear in your voice uh, to us today. We pray this in your name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Hey there. Uh, this is upside down, so I'm going to use this one right here. Um, yeah, it is really good to see you guys. Uh, yeah, my name is Daniel. Um, I am a men just just a member here. That's that's all I'm doing. But at the same time, I am very thankful to uh, to Josh and that introduction because that. Uh, what he says, it's just, it's really cool to hear that from somebody else. It's not something that, like, I fed him. Uh, but it's just really cool to hear about how, yeah, I, uh, I really do love this community. And I, uh, it, it's kind of intimidating. Um, it can be intimidating to come up here and to share the word with y'all because, uh, I mean, the Bible is extremely important to what we believe and, like, how we're living our lives and everything. And um, there's, just, there, there's just a part of me that felt like when I was going in and studying the word and feeling like I, I just need to do so much to make sure that it, like this is going to be something good, something that people can take from. And I was really, really blessed when I was doing my preparation time because God just simply helped pull back a whole lot of the extra things that I wanted to share with you guys today about like trying to show like this is what God's doing in my life and show show it like how big and how special he is but rather he just showed me very simple things that I want to share with you guys today and I'm hoping that uh that the blessings that I am receiving or something that I have received or something that can go to you guys as well um, so I just want to open this up in a quick word of prayer, and then we'll get into it. Um, Lord, I just thank you so much for this time. Um, I thank you that you have put me here because, uh, ultimately, God, you have used this platform in this day to just give me a bunch of hours of preparation time that 
you have used to bless me directly. I, I've heard um, what I needed to hear from this scripture uh, this last week. And uh, Lord, I just pray that for, for all of us here, that we would be blessed by what you have chosen to share through the book of Ezra for us, um, because that's what you do. You have given us this scripture so that we can gain from it. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would speak into wherever we are in our lives right now, and uh, communicate those simple truths about uh, how much you love us and how much you walk with us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, <laughs> there's, there's just something about, like, standing up on stage and just feeling like, you know, asking all those big questions, like, you know, how's everybody doing, you know, hey! Um, and uh, I, I wanted, there was a part of me that just wanted to, like, mess with Josh a little bit after, like, him giving me this platform and start asking a bunch of really weird, stupid questions, like, who likes Pokemon cards or whatever? Uh, but instead, what I want to do is I want you guys to think a little bit about uh, this last week. Not just our time here uh, on Sunday morning, but just over the last week. And I want you guys to just raise your hand if this uh, is something that applies to you. This week, uh, do you feel like you tried? If you did, raise your hand. Uh, this week, uh, also feel free to look around at the people around you as well. Uh, this week, did you feel like you tried hard? Raise your hand. This week, do you feel like you tried your best? Raise your hand. You got a few. There's a bunch of different levels of like, some people definitely, yeah, tried hard, maybe tried my best. Now, you don't have to raise your hand for this one, but depending on like your background, if you've ever, if you've gone to church in the past, <laughs> have you ever gone to church after you've had one of those weeks where it's just been really really hard and you were trying your best? And the idea of even going to church feels like a weight right now because you know that it's just this is just another thing that's going to get piled on. And then Maybe you might have even had one of those examples where you go and you hear a sermon where somebody from the pulpit then says, this is going to be somebody I'm going to be talking about from scripture and you need to do better like this guy. Look at this person and, and look at their example and just do better. Well, this is going to be one of those sermons. No, it's not. Uh, but I know that that weight of feeling like, well, I, if I could just do better, if I could just do more, if I feel like I could do enough, um, then I'd feel better. And in reality, when I started looking at uh, the, the passage that we're looking at, at here in Ezra, we get to see how Ezra is kind of a boss. He's a really, really cool guy. And a lot of what we get to see about him was a big conviction for me because I'm like, all right, well, that, now I'm going to be talking about this guy and how, how learned he is and how he was a good leader, and now I have to talk about this? 
and I don't feel like I'm super learned or a good leader. And that's where God started to meet me. And so this is where I'm hoping that we can meet with God in wherever we are in our lives. Because what I'm going to be talking about today is a lifestyle of worship in the book of Ezra. Kind of like what Josh had talked about before as well is that I'm actually, this is, I, I don't remember, week five or six or something like that of the book of Ezra. This is the first time we're actually talking about Ezra here. Um, and Ezra is a really cool guy, but the reason why, one of the big reasons why we don't get to see him up until this point in the book is because the book is not about him. So we are going to be talking about him, but this is not about him. This is about a man who has been changed by his relationship with God and we get to see how that works in a practical way, and we can gain some stuff from that. So, I'm going to get right into it. Uh, Ezra, we're going to look a little bit at uh, starting off at the beginning of Ezra. And Ezra, it, at the very beginning of the book, it talks about his priestly heritage. You saw that at the beginning, we actually did like a part of the first uh, section of the verse one, and then we skipped down to verse six. Basically, the reason why that I did that is just because I didn't want the person who was going to be reading the Bible have to read a bunch of weird names like Phineas and Uzi and stuff like that. Uh, but what Ezra, when he first comes onto the scene, we get to see how he is a guy who has a heritage of priests as his family. So this guy actually gets his genealogy going all the way back to the first chief priest in Aaron. This guy had a who's who's family of spiritual leaders. And then we look at chapter 7, verses 11 through 26, and we see uh, a decree from King Artaxerxes. And basically what this does is it authorized the return of Ezra and any Jews who wanted to accompany him to Jerusalem. Now, Ezra was part of another group of people. That there had already been a group of people that had gone out to actually rebuild the temple and uh, actually rebuild the city of Jerusalem. But Ezra had stayed back, and he's now bringing in another wave of people with him. So with this decree also, this decree that Artaxerxes gave him, it authorized Ezra to investigate what's going on with the Jews over in Judah right now. Also, it decree, it, the decree provi provided for the needs of the temple. It also authorized Ezra to obtain whatever he needed for the temple at the expense of the royal treasury. Also, the, everyone who uh, worked in the temple was going to be granted a tax-exempt status. And Ezra was authorized to set up a judicial and educational system. So this is all just the background of what's going to be happening as we look at what he goes from there. So he's got all this stuff that's already given to him. I'm going to go back to, uh, to verse uh, 10. Because this is our basic uh, home verse of what we're going to be looking at here. Um, we saw that the, God, the hand of God was gracious and on Ezra and that he was blessed. Verse 10, it says, Now Ezra had determined in his heart to study the law of the Lord, obey it, and teach it statutes and ordinances in Israel. So 
Ezra is a historical figure. He is known for amazing big works. He was a stud. He was a great guy. But in looking at this, this one verse right here, we get to see how we can cultivate a bit of a lifestyle of worship in our own hearts. Just by looking at how he had made these simple decisions. He, se- he seeked the Lord. He studied the law of the Lord. He seeked it. He obeyed it. And he taught it. So I'm going to look at, first off, uh, our first point here is that he seeks God. He, what it says here is that Ezra prepared his heart. Ezra had took time and brought intentionality to falling in love with God. This is the first step of what it looks like to have a lifestyle of worship, is that he actually took some time away to just say, all right, this is the God that I know and that I love, and I want to take time to actually spend with him. Now, how did he do that? Well, he was a scribe skilled in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. He knew what the scriptures had said, and he dedicated his life to learning and sharing the truth in the scriptures. When we uh, look at who the scribes were, they didn't have printing presses back in the old days. They, they didn't have publishers. Um, the way that they actually got the scripture to be copied and shared is that somebody would actually go in and just copy by hand every single little thing. Actually, the point that of detail that these scribes would go to, to, uh, to make sure that they got everything down is that at any time on their scroll, if they made a mistake they would throw out the entire scroll and start over again. So as a scribe, this guy took a lot of time looking over the scriptures and making sure that he had every single detail down. Once again, this is like, that's, I've got a 40-hour work week job. I can't do that kind of stuff. But he, this is the life that he had right there. Um, Not only that, though, is that he was skilled in the law of Moses, as it says. So not only did he learn about the word and spend a whole lot of time in it, but he also practiced it. We're going to look at a little bit more at what that looks like in a little bit. But the word here, when he was seeking the law of the Lord, the Hebrew word here um, can be also translated as study. um, But the core of the word here is to inquire, investigate, or seek. He went in and he wanted to learn. He, he, he actually picked things apart to be able to learn and see, like, th- what is God actually trying to say in this for me right now? Or just what's he trying to say in general right now? Jesus, um, in his final prayer before he went up to the cross, uh, as he was praying to the Father, he actually, uh, one of the things that he said in John 17, verse 17 He said, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus wanted us, just like what Ezra wanted, is that he wanted to be bathed in truth. Because the world that we live in does not apply to the same standards that the Bible talks about. It's a different world. But yet, at the same time, the truth that we find in the scripture is actually something higher and greater. 
So to be able to actually spend time in there is to actually spend time knowing what the truth is and getting to, to learn that better. We're blessed when we act based on the higher truth of God rather than on modern pop culture, which if, if we look at how trends and what people believe, um, it changes a lot. But God's word is always the same and it's always true. In Psalm chapter 1, I think we might have that one up here, uh, it says, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or seat in the company of or, or sit in the company of mockers and said his delight is in the law, the lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night Ezra enjoyed his time in the word because this was a way that he got to know god on a personal level and one way that we can know that he had a personal uh, experience with God is how he responds to the king's decree. If we see in uh, in Ezra chapter 7 verses uh, 27 and 28, there's a brief psalm of praise that shows us where his heart is and the fruit of his seeking God in the scriptures. First off, we get to see how Ezra is a humble guy. He There's not a hint of self-praise or self-commendation in there. But he also recognizes that it was actually God who had put such a thing in this king's heart. So he recognized that even though the king Artaxerxes was uh, saying, we're going to do all this stuff for the people of Israel, Ezra already recognized that this was something that God was actually doing. So that he actually got, because of his relationship with God, he was able to see through the layers of what was actually happening and seeing that God was working even though it wasn't explicitly said. And also, thirdly, it reveals Ezra's understanding that God is his source of blessings. He, under, he acknowledged that God has shown him favor before the king ever even did. Now, I know that even in looking at this and thinking about this, it's easy to feel discouraged because I know that I can. Um, <laughs> if, I, uh, if I were to compare my own study and faith to his... Um, I could definitely feel like I might as well just give up already because it's like, I'm not at that place. I don't think that I can get to that place. And honestly, like right now, um, before I was studying for this time, I was just thinking about like, I have not spent as much time in the Bible. Like I, I just traded, I ch changed to a new job about a month ago. I have different rhythms. I just haven't had my personal time with God as like a central thing. And it's just easy <laughs> to feel down because of that. But the most important thing about Ezra's faith is this. Um, it's not because of who God is. We get to see how it's not about the amount of faith that we have in God or the amount of time that we're putting in as much. It, I mean, those things are important but it is not as important as the God that you have faith in. And uh, 
sometimes I, 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 I like to share this illustration about um, an airplane. I love talking about airplanes on stage. I don't know why. Um, but uh, I've, I've heard a, uh, a story about a guy who, uh, he was a pastor, and he, he was on a plane where uh, he was sitting between um, a businessman and an old lady who did not like flying at all. And uh, he himself did not like flying either, but he's done it a couple of times, and so he was kind of used to it. Sometimes um, when I think about faith, I think about, like, if something is going wrong in my life, it's because I don't have enough faith. And sometimes people have told, like, actually said things, like, you know, you need to have more faith in a certain situation. The good thing is, is that this guy on the plane... Um, even though that he's sitting next to a businessman who is just chill, he's done a flight, you know, he's fly, flown hundreds of times. This other lady who is terrified of anything that this plane, the, the plane's going to fall apart, everything's going to, you know, just explode everywhere. Uh, and then he's just kind of nervous in the middle. They're all on this plane together. And the amount of faith that they have doesn't change the fact that they were all able to get up into the air and they were all able to touch down in the same place because they were all on the same plane. They had put their trust in that plane enough so that they got to where they needed to be. And it wasn't like the the pilot had like called out something like, hello, passengers. Um, you know, the, the day has been looking really good so far. It's been really clear, except that I find that... Uh, there was somebody in seat 24B who does not have enough faith that we're going to get there safely, and now there is a thunderstorm in front of us. So, uh, yeah, if you're mad at how things are going from here, just look at seat 24B, and uh, <laughs> and that is all. Uh, God doesn't pull the blame on us like that. He does he does not he does not call us to like get to a certain level of faith and then just get mad at us because we're not in a certain place. He wants us to just come to him. And so what what this all has to do with our time in scripture is simply that he is offering us a way to get to know him personally. This is an invitation to know him. And so when we take time to actually understand who he is and really work with the scriptures, we are simply just grabbing that hand and taking that invitation to know who he is a bit better. He's not condemning us for not being in the Bible enough. He's saying, this is for you. Here it is. Which brings me to my next point. Not only did he study and seek, but Ezra did. So my second point is do. It, now, I'm sure you guys have heard this passage a bunch of times. I'm going to bring it up again. But it's, it's a good one when talking about doing the word. James 1, chapter, chapter 1, verses 22 through 24. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is, is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer her works, this person will be blessed in what he does. 
So in that, I want to break this one down really quickly because at least for me, I know that the meaning of this illustration isn't always 100% clear. Um, I'm genuinely asking here, uh, what do we use mirrors for? Anyone? To, to what? <laughs> I'm sorry? To, to see yourself. Yeah, exactly. To just check to make sure everything's okay. Because I know that like with me, when I get up in the morning, I have to go to work and it's really early. So basically all I do is I just turn on the light on the mirror. I make sure that my face is free of crusties and that my hair is kind of going in the same direction. And then uh, I go off for the rest of my day and I am not thinking about what my face looks like after that at that point anymore. Basically what I'm doing is just like, I just look at the mirror and I say, well, that's good enough. I can move on to the next stuff. Now, how often does it happen where you find yourself uh, actually reading a bit of scripture or listening to a really good sermon or uh, like a podcast or something like that and you, you, you hear something that really sounds helpful and really good and you're just like, yeah, that's great. I needed that. That's really nice. And then I have to go to work or I have to go and do that project or I have to go meet up with that person and does any of this sound familiar? Like you've just forgotten about whatever that thing was. Once again, like how seeking is an invitation from God to be able to know him better, doing is another invitation from God to be able to understand who he is and be able to get to know him a bit better. Doing in this case is taking a lesson or principle that God is teaching you and practically implementing a change in your life about it. It doesn't have to be a big whole lifestyle shift over, uh, I don't know, John 1 or something like that. But it's about taking a practical step to say, all right, if this is what God is telling me right now, what can I do about this? If the passage that you're looking at is on forgiveness... Ask God or somebody that you know if for forgiveness, if you've wronged them. Or if somebody has wronged you, offer up forgiveness. If it's thankfulness, take time to thank God for what he's doing in your life right now. There are loads of examples that I can talk about, about what, how this can be done on a practical level. But the important thing that we need to understand is that you and the people around you and I should say me as well, like that all of us need God. That's, that's really what it comes down to is that we all need him and that we can invite him into whatever situation that we find ourselves in through applying what God has shared with us. In the chapters that we're looking at, we get a couple of quick examples of the actions that Ezra makes because of his understanding in the scriptures. Um, in Ezra chapter 8, verses 1 through 20, uh, it talks about how Ezra went back to Jerusalem uh, with a large group of people, about like 900 people. And the group that assembled, uh, when the group had assembled at the designated starting point for the journey, Ezra had noticed the absence of Levites. Now, the reason why Levites were important is because God had actually set up in the scriptures that this specific group of people, this specific family, are going to be priests and workers in my temple. 
and he didn't have any of them. So what he basically did is he sent some of the leaders of the people out to recruit some Levites for the journey, and they found some, and it was good. Very, very simple. Like, they're just saying, like, point A, point B, point C, like, this is all good. But the reason why Ezra did that in the first place is because this is something that the scriptures actually said, this is what we need. And so he's acting based off of that. Next up, he also felt a a sense of responsibility for the people that were returning with him. So in the next couple of verses, he talks about uh, there's a a 900-mile trek through uh, dangerous regions here. And what Ezra did is he called the people to fast and pray to the Lord for a safe journey, especially because there were going to be children with them. They're going to have a lot of stuff with them. And Ezra didn't feel good about asking the king about more stuff, like guards, to, to protect us on the way there. But since all those other things had been given by God, he just simply trusted God and said, well, Lord, please protect us. Um, in Ezra 23, it says that, or 8.23, it says that uh, the people felt confident that God had heard their prayers. And from there, we got to see that, yeah, he had heard them, and he had protected them. Now, one thing I do want to mention real quick is that I know that there's a lot of people out there saying that um, the, the you-need-more-faith crowd can often say that if something is wrong or something is bad that has happened to you, it's because you didn't have enough faith or you need to, you act, need to act in more faith so that God will bless you or whatever that might be. Once again, I'm not talking about the amount of faith, but the person that, that you have faith in, in God. So with Ezra, could he have asked for help and got guards and still have been faithful and trusted God that, he'd, that the people would be protected? Yes, he could have, and it would have been fine. But the important thing is, once again, that he could then thank God that they were able to have guards. But in this specific case, he thanked God because he just protected them No, because of that. That was the situation that they were in. You don't have to test God and, and up the level to make sure that you're showing that it's like only God can get me through this situation. But rather just recognize that it's like God is the one that is going to be with me through this. And so how can I invite him into what I'm doing? And how can he point me in a direction where I, I'm doing what he wants me to do? How can I accept that thing that I need to be doing um, because of how he's showing me? So, like, basically all I'm trying to say with that is, one, again, seeking and then doing are ways that we get to know him. The the third thing that I want to bring up here is teaching. And I know that already seeking and doing might sound like a lot, depending on where you're at and what your lifestyle looks like right now. But this last point here might be where you just draw the line completely. Uh, teaching is for people up on this stage. It's for people in, like, classrooms. Um, I'm not a teacher. I, or you might be saying that. I actually, personally, I like teaching. It's fun. Um, but the teaching that I'm talking about here isn't about leading a classroom. It's not about standing on a stage or anything like that. It's about sharing what God is teaching you. So... 
in those first two steps, if you're spending time actually intentionally learning from the word and you are also actually doing things, you get to just talk about that with other people. Bring other people in and actually share that experience with other people. A couple more examples that we see in these chapters of what how Ezra actually does that. Um, in Ezra 24 through 30, we get to see how Ezra charged the priests with the responsibility of caring for the offerings and treasures that were delivered to the people in Jerusalem to make sure that the accurate inventory, like everything that they needed, was there. And then, um, at the end of the chapter, we get to see how God had safely protected the people through their giant journey. And then after three days of rest, the offerings and utensils were delivered to the leaders, sacrifices were offered, and the civil leaders were presented with a copy of King Artaxerxes' decree. So what was it that, that was like teaching in this passage? Is that the priests and everybody went to the temple and started doing the work that they were supposed to do to share God with the people. Simple as that. They were there safely. They shared that with everybody. They got to have the, the, the correct offerings and everything given. Um, and that was another way that people all around them were blessed in, the, in that city. The beautiful thing about the teaching stage is that it doesn't mean that you've arrived at the last stage and now you get to be like a guru or something like that where everyone is coming to you for all of their answers. Rather, teaching and sharing are the ways that God helps us to learn and grow. And in many ways, it helps us to learn how much we don't know. Um, teaching is also an amazing thing because, it, especially like even in a group like this where I'm surrounded by a bunch of other people who have uh, been walking with God and learning from him, is that if you do something wrong, it's not the end of the story because your community around you can also help you to build you up in that kind of thing. So like when I was, uh, I, what, I, I went to Bible school uh, right after high school. So I went there for a couple of years and then I went off and got a Bible degree. So I'd, I'd studied for probably about five years or so. And then I went and I went back to basically the college level and I just started teaching Bible for a few years. And I was teaching authoritatively about like, yeah, I, I've got five years of teaching, uh, of experience. I know what I'm doing. And I was, uh, I just straight up taught things authoritatively that I had heard somebody else say, rather than actually like learning about what um, the Bible actually said about certain subjects. And I hurt people. I, uh... I don't want to go into a big a big tangent about what that actually looked like, except for the fact that I was called out afterward and talked to about like, well, you know, like this thing that you're like going against, like uh, my family trusts God and uh, they're doing this thing. <laughs> and how does that work? And I had to come and realize that it's like I was talking with authority that was not coming from God, but it was just coming from me. But in that, we were all able to grow, go back to the scriptures and actually like start that process again of seeking God, acting and seeing how like 
that was a good step in all of our walks to be able to learn more about who God actually is on a practical level. And you might you might be teaching your family things that, that you might look back on l- years later on and be like, I don't know if that was actually a good thing. But the beautiful thing about all three of these steps, like I was saying before, is that this all does not come down to you. Is that these are all three opportunities that God reaches out to say, these are ways that I want to walk with you. And I want to help you grow to become more like me And another thing about this is that when I was talking about, at the very beginning, I mentioned that seeking, doing, and teaching, it's a lifestyle. You don't just get to step three in the teaching area and then you're just done. But that when you're teaching, you find that you need to learn more. And as you're learning more, you find that you need to actually apply these things in maybe different ways than you have in the past. And then that helps you to share these things more and more. And one other thing that I want to mention really quick is that this is all, of course, done within community as well, is that if we're doing this all by ourselves, we're not getting the full picture. We're here for each other in all of this. Um, That Paul calls us to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He says in a group setting, all of your salvation, you're working this out together. This, this, This rhythm here that I've been talking about this morning This is for all of us all the time, and we get to be there in each other's lives as we grow in these ways. So you might be in a place where all I'm talking about, even after all of that, might be frustrating to you. Because I've I've been there, and in some ways I was there even when I was uh, preparing this. You could feel like, yeah, I've heard all this before. And I'm even doing all of this, and I'm not seeing anything. I'm not feeling any different. I'm not getting to where I want to be. I'm not that person that I want to be right now. And with this, I just want to share one other little passage that uh, came to me this morning. That just, I don't have a slide for it. John 5.39 says, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees here. You pour over the scriptures because you think that you have eternal life in them, and yet they testify about me. It is basically what I'm talking about in this passage is that it's easy for me to reduce my own spiritual growth to an accomplishment or an achievement. As long as I have this to show that I'm doing something, then it's enough. Jesus is a person. And he's alive right now. And I've said that word over and over again, invitation. He's using these things to invite us to do his work that he's doing right now. He wants us to share with him. And as we share with him, we get to be blessed as we get to see him through scripture we get to experience what working and doing the, the stuff that he's talking about can actually, how it can change our lives and actually see how it impacts others. And the teaching, the sharing of that with other people is how we can see how this stuff is bigger than me. 
how we can see how the reason why we're here today is because God has touched us all and how he's continuing to work. And uh, if you feel like you're in a place where um, one or all of those areas are something that you feel like you need, then that's good. That's what these, these times are here for. It's just a simple reintroduction to say, God loves you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to share the work with you of blessing the world. And so um, with that, I want to pray real quick. Um, Lord, we just thank you so much for this time. It's not a super big, complicated sermon that you had for us this morning, Lord. That's not what you had for me. But that is, um, I thank you, Lord, that you bless me and just being able to be reminded about how you love us and that you're intentional about wanting to be with us in every step of what we're doing. So, Lord, um, I just pray that if any of us... uh, are having issues with being able to experience you, to to know you in any sort of way, Lord, I pray that that you would meet them here this morning, um, that you would help to encourage all of us as we just enjoy each other's company and uh, talk to each other about the stuff that's going on in our lives. But Lord, on top of all that, I just pray, Lord, that uh, that you would help me to that you would help me, that you would help us to take simple little steps to accept the invitations that you're giving to us to know you a bit more, to love you a bit more, and to love the other people around us a bit more. We thank you for this, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.